Welcome to the Cantina. You're tuning in to the semi-lucid ramblings and questionable blood alcohol levels of Isabella Voss. Milton Berle once said, laughter is an instant vacation. Well, it's cheaper than a vacation, and you don't have to deal with adjusting a shower you don't know. Does anyone else completely forget how to operate a shower different from their own or the one at their parents' house? Or is that just me? Water pressure that feels like tiny pellets on my skin is just something I don't need right now. So pour yourself a drink and let's jump into it and detox on the rocks. You know those days when you feel too dumb to own a houseplant? Maybe you accidentally sent a dirty text to your dad, or wondered why it's taking so long for the pasta water to boil, and then you realize you never turned the burner on. Well, you're about to feel a lot better. Here's a short story about a 54-year-old Toronto man who is his worst enemy, in the worst selfie ever. Gary Lamb allegedly broke into a commercial property in Toronto. Nothing too crazy about that. Not great, but not the strangest thing in the world. What he decided to do next was have a snack. The police know this because they found the leftover food scraps. He then decided to take a selfie via photocopier that was in the building. Yep, he took a picture of his own face. And it's a pretty clear picture from a photocopier that I can see here is maybe not the cutest shot. The police put out the photo of Gary that he was so kind to provide, and he was arrested on different charges thanks to a tip from the public. So for the record, if you're going to commit a crime, maybe don't take a picture of yourself and leave it for the cops. This is one selfie he definitely should have hit delete. Being single has its ups and its downs, doesn't it? Just like anything, I'm pretty sure we've all sworn off all men, all women, or all everyone at one time or another. I know I sure have. There's going on a date where you have nothing to talk about, dates where they won't stop talking about their ex, and then of course there's the now infamous ghosting. Ghosting is one of the coldest things you can do to someone, isn't it? Let's meet a couple of women who absolutely love to be ghosted. They claim that they are having the best, shall we say, bedtime fun of their lives with ghosts. Our first contestant is Amethyst. She's a 30-year-old counselor from the UK. This really is this lady's first name, and she's really heating up the sheets with these sexy spirits. She says she's had over 20 ghost lovers, and quote, my new ghost lover is really special, wise, stable, and kind. I'm not 100% sure if it's a man or a woman, but I have found true love. 
think the gender of the ghost is really the hot button issue here. Now, how does one meet a ghost lover, one may ask, for dinner, dancing, or just general hauntings? Amethyst tells us, We met when I was on a trip to Australia earlier this year, the year in question being 2018. She goes on to say, Spirits usually remain in one place, but I am delighted this one followed me back to the UK. I was happy and excited. So excited, in fact, we headed to the Plain Lou. And I am now a member of the Mile High Club. I couldn't think of a joke here, but I think this one stands on its own. Can you imagine being a flight attendant on that flight and walking (laughs) past that teeny tiny bathroom and hearing all kinds of sounds and then one woman gets out by herself? I find that a lot more upsetting than if two people come out. (laughs) The big O's I have with my spirit lovers have been way deeper than I've had with ordinary men, she says. So lovers implies more than one. So what happened to the Aussie ghost? Is she cheating on her Aussie lover with a phantom other than the one down under? Also by ordinary, I think she means alive. Now, before I come across as overly judgmental, I think it's important to note that Australia is the world's number one exporter and purveyor of Hemsworthsises. <laughs> she says, you sense a presence, can feel the energy, and although there's no body to touch, you can sense you're being touched. This sounds a lot to me like being on a crowded subway, and there's always that guy who's staring just a little bit way too long when someone looks at you and you feel like you're being touched she ends by saying i know it sounds crazy does she though it really goes off the rails when she says i've been looking into having a ghost baby i don't think it's totally out of the question i mean i think it is i think it's definitely out of the question all right now our second ghost lover is 26 year old cyan who is a copywriter in the uk as well so a professional job with adult responsibilities she's not a cat stylist or anything like that even though that does sound like a hell of a job she says quote after splitting from my long-term boyfriend three years ago i rented a 16th century cottage in i'm gonna say this wrong a Barry Stwyth in West Wales. Kind of like Cameron Diaz did in The Holiday, only insane. She says, I was immediately taken by a painting of a handsome man above the mantel place, which dated back to 1820. Like Beauty and the Beast, only no Stockholm Syndrome. Quote, A few months after I moved in, I woke one morning to find a dark-haired, very good-looking man lying next to me. He was fully clothed in a loose white shirt, a neck scarf, and old-fashioned breeches. Girl, no you didn't. She says he had a kind of shimmer to him, as if he was behind a fluttering curtain. She goes on to describe their passionate bedroom antics in a fair amount of detail, but what I keep coming back to is the exes of these women. On one hand, everyone says they have a crazy ex. So in the case of these women's exes, I think they're fully vindicated. On the other hand, 
I really noticed that these women very much drive home the point that these ghosts are the most amazing, intimate passion they've ever experienced, which begs the question, how bad were their exes in bed? Alright, now let's play a game. Perception is a funny thing, isn't it? We have an image or an idea of someone in our heads, and very little is going to change that picture we have of them, if ever. This game is called Guess Who? And I'm going to give you 10 facts of a public figure who most, if not all of us, are familiar with. Or rather, we think we are familiar with. At the end, we'll see if you guessed who I'm describing correctly. Ready? One, they began dancing at the age of five. Two, their parents were Nazi sympathizers. Yikes. Three, they had a pet baby deer they met at work and soon became their sidekick. The deer was named Pippin and would follow them to the supermarket. Five, they became such an amazing ballet dancer, they would secretly perform for groups to raise money for the Dutch resistance. Six, breed of tulip was named after them. Seven, they retired from a wildly successful career to become a goodwill ambassador for UNICEF and worked in the field nursing sick children, visited polio vaccine project in Turkey, traveled to Africa, Central America, and worldwide. Eight, they were inducted to the International Best Dress List Hall of Fame. Any ideas? A couple more hints, and this may be a bit of a giveaway. Nine, they would have been 91 this year. And finally, 10, this is gonna give it away. The acting role they are best remembered for is Breakfast at Tiffany's which was originally intended for Marilyn Monroe. Did you get it? That's right, the elegant, the incomparable, and the all-round badass, Audrey Hepburn. That's right, you may know her from images of the iconic black dress with the oversized sunglasses, the tiny tiara, the layers and layers of strands of pearls, the black gloves. Maybe she's holding one of those long cigarette holders that's her. Perception is a funny thing, isn't it? It's time for What's in Your Glass? And today we're going to talk about how to elevate a $9 drink to a $14 cocktail. Have you ever ordered a cocktail that sounds really simple, but when you try to make it at home, it just doesn't taste the same? Of course, presentation does have a lot to do with it. The beautiful glassware and the artistry do have an impact, yeah, perception, <laughs> and our perceived value. But there's also probably a lot more work that went into that cocktail. We're gonna break down into segments what makes a drink into a cocktail. 
Today, we're going to start with step one, simple syrup. Simple syrup is, spoiler alert, really simple. It's a one-to-one ratio, so one cup of sugar to one cup of water. You can use regular white sugar if that's what you have on hand, but if you're headed to buy groceries anyhow, I really recommend reaching for raw cane sugar like a demerara, not brown sugar. Brown sugar is usually just refined sugar with molasses added to it. That's going to change the flavor, the consistency. Stay away from brown sugar for this specifically. Now I do recommend making your simple syrup in bigger batches. That's the way I make mine because, surprise surprise, I make cocktails at home all the time. For today's purposes, we're going to keep it really simple and stick with that one cup to one cup ratio. Add one cup of water to a saucepan. If you don't have a saucepan, look for a pot or pan that has a wide base. Wide and low. What we want is even heat distribution. Then dump in the sugar and let it simmer, nice and slow. We want it just under a boil, a gentle bubble. This does require a little bit of babying. Stir it pretty consistently because if you leave it there, there's a good chance it's gonna burn. And if you've ever had burnt sugar stuck to you, I would wish that on anyone. You're gonna notice after a few moments that the sugar itself is gonna dissolve. You're not gonna see those little crystals anymore. And it's gonna start to thicken up. If you went with raw sugar, you'll see it sort of develop this beautiful goldy color. It's really pretty. Dip in the spoon and give it a taste. The longer you simmer it down, the thicker and sweeter it's gonna get. I would aim for thinner than maple syrup, maybe the texture of a sturdy tomato soup. It's definitely gonna be under 10 minutes. Remove it from the burner that you remembered to turn on, and as it cools, it's gonna thicken up even more. Let it hang out, then pop it in the fridge. It's gonna obviously cool quicker that way. And there you go, you just made a simple syrup. Keep this in your bag of tricks because I use simple syrup consistently when I'm making mojitos, Long Island iced teas, daiquiris, and more. I am going to be referring to this in upcoming episodes and it's a great way to control how sweet you make your drinks. Personally, I don't like overly sweet drinks. It's a great, great way to really customize what you're making at home. Now the really fun part of simple syrup is what I like to call not-so-simple syrup. There are hundreds of variations on this classic recipe by adding different infusions, herbs, spices, fruit, and we're going to be getting into that. Infusions is going to be part two of how to elevate your cocktails. Now, if you follow Detox with Boss on Instagram, you may have seen a video of a flaming drink. This video was taken in February 2020. Relax, Mary and it's a drink called Shabetun. This is a centuries-old drink made by the Mayas. It's a base of honey produced from the Shabetun flower of the Yucatan. It's fermented, then combined with Mexican rum and anise. There's a really prevalent anise flavor, so if you're a fan of ouzo, this is a more nuanced version of that flavor profile. This is beautiful if you want to layer a little bit of complexity into your drinks. If you want to pick some up, I'm going to spell it out for you because the spelling is a little bit unexpected. It's X as in X-ray, T as in tumultuous, A as in absinthe, B 
B as in Bacardi, E as in everything, N as in nice, T as in titillating, U as in unicorn, and N as in na 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 na. A simple cocktail you can make with your newly purchased Shabatun is Shabatun Iron. So what you need for this is two shots of dark rum, half a shot of Shabatun, half a shot of simple syrup, which you now know how to make, and a generous twist of lemon. Shake it up and serve it on the rocks. The brand that I recommend of Shabatun is D'Artisti, spelled D-A-R-I-S-T-I. Salut! Is there any more comforting sound in the world than a cat's purr? Oh, well, I know. But there is a scientific reason as to why a cat's purr is so comforting. Clinical research by Dr. Clinton Rubens shows that the bones and soft tissues heal more effectively when exposed to frequencies between 20 and 50 hertz. A cat's purr just happens to be between 25 and 50 hertz. Research specialist and bioacoustic specialist Elizabeth Vaughn Magan-Fellers, I'd like to apologize for butchering your name, her research shows that the purring frequency at 50 hertz can help with, quote, muscle, tendon, ligament injuries, joint injury, wound healing, reduction of infection, and swelling, pain relief, and relief from chronic pulmonary disease. The cat's purr also shows contentment and they self-soothe when they're in pain. It should be noted that much more scientific research and studies need to be done in a controlled environment to prove that having a cat will unequivocally help this long list of potential benefits. So please don't stop taking your medication and get a cat, although there's never been a better time to have a rescue. This episode has been brought to you by Insomnia. Whether you are obsessing over an argument you had with your passive-aggressive sister-in-law three months ago, trying to remember the lyrics to Uptown Girl, or simply being mentally crushed by reality, stay up until 3 a.m. eating old crackers you found at the back of the pantry. Try Insomnia. Well, that's the end of my drink and the end of the show. And from the bottom of my heart, remember, contrary to what you see in movies, rat poison doesn't actually kill people. It kills rats because of the bromidiolone, an anticoagulant that prevents their blood from clotting. If you're going to murder, don't use rat poison. That could be awkward. Salut!
This has been a Cat Flap production.